You are listening to the weekly podcast of Mount Vernon Baptist Church Westwood in Memphis, Tennessee. We pray you enjoy today's message. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives, beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters. That you may increase and not diminish. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for the city, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are uh, in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams, uh, which you cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Let the church say amen. Could you say this with me? Let's embrace God's plan of prosperity. Amen. Embracing God's plan to prosper you. Embracing God's plan to prosper you. For those of you who are visiting with us today, we have started a series at the beginning of the year on prosperity. And every Sunday, uh, we have been dealing with a different aspect of God's prosperity, specifically biblical prosperity. We've dealt with God's desire to prosper us spiritually, as we discussed on last week. But here we find ourselves in the book of Jeremiah 29, and it's something that's very important for us to understand is that all scripture in some way revolves around certain events in scripture and without a proper knowledge of those events, uh, it might be difficult to understand that particular passage of scripture. And just to give you a little background quickly on this verse or really the book of Jeremiah, uh, let me help us to understand uh, that... Um, in 597, in Babylon, the Babylonians came in and conquered uh, Israel and captured the city of Jerusalem. This is called the exile because they exported the people of God to live under the cruel hand and uh, live as captives. When the Babylonians would conquer a nation, they took all of the essential human resources to effectively rebuild a city and they most certainly would take the individuals who they deemed a threat to the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonians wanted certain individuals 
to always be under their watch. You know, they would take lawyers, they would take those probably doctors, and they would take individuals like that that were very uh, essential, prophets and priests. They would take certain essential individuals away from the city and keep them under their watch. They would occupy the city, rule and control the city, but then they would take these essential persons uh, to Babylon. And so, needless to say, uh, the people of God were in a rough situation. It was rough on them, and especially those who were left behind, uh, because uh, they saw their families broken up, and they saw military occupation taking place. It was a rough time. Those who had been taken were now in hostile territory, uh, dealing with people who were their enemies, a language that they didn't understand, mistreatment by a society that, that, that really didn't want them. Their lives did not seem to matter, and they were now living in a land that was not their home. And as we celebrate the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., we cannot help but to see how the story of the people of God in the text today is very similar to our story uh, as African Americans. Because we too were taken from our native home of Africa and brought here on slave ships. Our foreparents were under the harsh rule of slavery, tortured, tormented, and harassed. They had a difficult journey unimaginable circumstances, yet they endured. They fought, they prayed, they persevered, they marched, they voted. Help me say they voted. Come on, say it again. They voted so that we may enjoy the privileges that they only dreamed of. They rode on the back of buses, and now we own the bus. Oh, come on, give God praise, somebody. We owe it to their struggle to be the best that we can be. This weekend, as we pay tribute to Dr. King, may we remember the struggle, as Sister Hill said, the struggle continues, serving others, educating future generations about the importance of serving others and knowing our journey as a people. And so here it is in the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 29, Jeremiah is really a letter uh, to the children of God who have been taken away to Babylon. Jeremiah is in Jerusalem writing a letter to those who have been taken away. While they were in captivity, I thank God that the Lord raised up a prophet. Amen. He raised up a prophet, and Jeremiah here is helping us to understand something so powerful. Jeremiah says to them, it's going to be 70 years before the Lord brings you out. Amen, somebody. Jeremiah implies that no matter how they felt, this situation would last a little while. And in addition to this harsh reality of having to be here for at least 70 years, God really gave them a word of encouragement and reveals his plan for them, his plan to prosper them. And don't you know, child of God, that God has a plan to prosper us. 
God has a word for someone here today that you may be in a difficult circumstance right now, but the Lord has a plan to prosper you. No matter how it looks, no matter what you are going through, at this very moment, God wants you to prosper and to be blessed. When you think about the word prosper, to prosper means to succeed, to increase, to thrive, to make gain, to advance. The Bible confirms over and over and over again God's desire to bless and to prosper his children. It's not just about money. Whenever we hear prosperity, immediately we think about cash and clothes and cars and cruises and all this other stuff. But God's prosperity goes deeper than anything that your money could ever buy. Amen, somebody. Jesus articulates his mission over there in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, in verse 18, he says that I have come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which is a reference to the year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, the 50th year, God's people were released from all debts. They were blessed if they were under the hand of occupation or rule or uh, slavery or uh, uh, service, they were released and sent back home. Everything, in other words, God would hit the reset button at the year of Jubilee. And Jesus says, You don't have to wait until a 50 year mark to say, Now God hit the reset button. Jesus says, I am Jubilee. And so, in some way, we find God's prosperity in Jesus Christ. And people of God, if you are in Christ, you can celebrate the fact that God always has a plan to prosper you. Let the church say amen. If you believe it, give him praise. Give God praise. Amen. And therefore, this is why I want to share a few things out of this text to help us to embrace God's plan to prosper us. If we are to embrace God's plan to prosper us, then we must know that God is fully in charge of our lives. Notice what it says, Jeremiah 29 and 1. You want to keep your Bibles on me. Jeremiah 29 and 1, we are told who the letter is addressed to. It says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all of the people, what's that next word, that Nebuchadnezzar, had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Who did it say carried the people of God from Jerusalem to exile? Y'all talk back to me now. This is significant because as you continue to read down, you'll notice something different. Look at verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. All of those who, who carried away? Come on, y'all, talk to me now. I carried away. And so in verse 1, it says that Nebuchadnezzar carried the children of Israel from Jerusalem to Babylon. In verse 4, God says, I carried the children of Jerusalem from Jerusalem to Babylon. So we have here something that's very powerful. This is not a contradiction in the text. You have to be able to see it in and through the eyes of the Spirit. 
because the practical human understanding points to Nebuchadnezzar, a person, as the culprit for causing trouble in the lives of God's people. But God steps in and says, oh no, I'm always in charge of what's happening to my people. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I find encouragement here because it lets me know that God is always the distant designer to every dilemma that I might find myself in. Amen. It may be the hand of the enemy that brings discomfort to God's people, but don't you forget that God is always in charge. And God allows certain things to happen in life for a purpose that we usually don't understand, but let's not allow our adverse circumstances to cause us to lose focus of the fact that God is always in charge of our lives. And if we're going to embrace God's plan to prosper, we must be convinced that God is in charge. Let the church say amen. No matter what the condition is, no matter what the circumstance might be, no matter what the situation you find yourself in, the great shepherd has declared that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You may not know what, you may not know why is happening, but I thank God today that no matter what it is and why is happening, God says you are never alone. So I'm able to stand here in Babylon situation, I'm able to look at my current circumstance and and lift my hands and say, God, I don't know why, I don't understand when it's going to turn around, but I got to give you glory because no matter what I face, you are still in charge of my life. Is there anybody here that's going through anything? I want to encourage you to know that it didn't sneak up on God, that God is still in charge. He knows everything that you're going through, and it is our responsibility to say, Lord, I may have tears in my eyes, but God, I just want to tell you, thank you, that all Although I'm not where I want to be, you are still in charge of my life. Let the church say amen. He goes on to command them to do something very powerful in verse 5. Keep your Bibles on me, y'all. Look at verse 5. He says, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, Marry, have sons and daughters, find wives. You see it there in the text. And as I consider this powerful scripture here, it helps me to understand a few things. Number one, that God wants to bless you regardless of the circumstance. Amen. Since God is still in charge and directing the events of your life, the Lord is saying, I'm big enough to bless you in ways that you cannot even imagine. Yes, you are in a foreign land, but build a house. Oh, you just missed your chance to shout right there. He says, I know, I'm sure someone is saying, prophet, man, how are we going to build a house over here in Babylon? And I can hear the Lord saying, don't worry about the how, just believe that I can do it. Do you believe that God can bless you? Has your circumstance caused you to forget that God can still bless you? Do you believe that he wants to bless you? Give him praise if you believe. I know you believe that he can, but do you believe that he will? Amen. Are you talking yourself out of being blessed by God? Do you feel unworthy of God's blessing? Newsflash. None of us are worthy of God's blessing in our lives. 
And if you have any blessing in your life, it's because of his grace and his mercy. Could you find somebody for me? I know you got your mask on, but just say it loud enough for them to hear. I am a display of God's grace. God is blessing me now. Not because of me, but because of his grace. Give him praise, somebody. Give God glory. He's going to bless you because of his grace. How in the world am I going to build a house in Babylon? Now, I've been taken from Jerusalem, taken from my family, and I get over here in Babylon, and you're telling me to build a house after all that I've gone through, after all that I've seen, after all that I've endured, that long journey from Jerusalem and Babylon. I get here, and you tell me to build a house. God is saying, I don't care what it is. I don't care how difficult it is. God is in charge, and if I said build a house, that means I give you the vision to build it. I give you the money that you need. I give you the wood that you need. I give you the favor that you need. If I tell you to build in Babylon, just believe I'm going to provide everything that you need in Babylon to build. Don't you know that God wants to prosper you? Oh, give him praise, church. Give God glory. He's worthy to be praised. I'm sure that as they start building those houses in Babylon, and some of those houses were probably better than the houses of the Babylonians. And I'm sure the enemy could not stand to see the children of God prospering like that. But you know, there will always be a somebody somewhere that cannot stand that you are blessed. But I'm not worried about that. Here's my question to you. Can you stand to be blessed? Now let me ask, let me ask somebody over here. Can you stand to be blessed? Is there anybody here that just, can you stand to be blessed? Is there anybody over here that can stand to be blessed? Oh, give them glory. Give God the praise. Can you stand to be blessed? Are you still worried about what they're going to say? Listen, don't you hide what God is blessing you with. He says, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Don't get to the table and try, try to hide the table. Let God bless you. Can you stand to be blessed? Don't ever apologize for God's blessing on your life. Another thing that I see here in verse 5, keep your Bible on me, y'all. Another thing that I can see here in verse 5 that the Lord is saying as we embrace his prosperity is that we have to learn to make the best out of every predicament that we find ourselves in. I see here in the text, he's helping us to understand that we ought not just wallow in bad news. At some point, we got to wipe our tears and live our best life. Try to find a miracle in every mess. We got to try to reach out for a blessing in every burden. We got to find a way to praise God through every problem. We got to figure out how to shout in every scenario. We got to ask God for an abundance in every adversity. We got to learn to make the best of things that we don't even like. Like, you know, when life throws you lemons, what you do with those lemons? Make lemonade. Lord, help us to make the best out of the difficult days. The hymnologist said, be not dismayed. Whatever betides you, God will take care of you. We got to learn to make the best out of every situation. You got to learn. We have to learn how to take whatever circumstance we find ourselves in and make the best out of it. 
I don't care what it is. And we've learned down through our journey how to take a little bit in the refrigerator and make a gourmet meal. Is there anybody here that has learned how to take those little scraps of whatever God provides and, and, and make a gourmet meal out of it? If we're going to prosper, that means that we got to be thankful for what we have before we ask God to give us something else. Amen. Before you ask him for another suit, thank him for the one that you have on. Before you ask him, before you ask him for another pair of shoes, give him glory for the 2,900 pair that you got in your closet right now. Before you complain that you don't have something, thank God for everything that you have. And as you thank God for what you have, God says, since you're grateful for the small things, I'll go ahead and bless you with the big thing. But you've got to be grateful and take the little bit that God has given you and say, God, I'm going to take this and make the best out of it. I'm going to build in Babylon. Oh, come on, give God praise here. Give God the glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. And you know, something that's very interesting here, I think I'm going to have to do a part two of this message, y'all. Something very interesting here is that in some way, building a house, planting a garden, getting married, living like you were still in Jerusalem, this is, what the, this is really what the Lord is telling them. I know you're in Babylon, but just act like you're in Jerusalem. Y'all just missed that again. I, I, I know you're in Babylon, but whatever you would do in Jerusalem, do it right now. In other words, you got to have, you got to be able to dreamalize. I just, I just made up a word. You got to have a vision for something. You got to, you got to see yourself, and then you got to act like you are there where you see yourself. Amen. Just imagine if whatever you're believing God for, if you had it right now. Act like you have it right now. I believe somebody will tell them thank you. In other words, you don't have to wait to get back somewhere before you thank God. You can just dream a lie. You can envision and just act like you already got it and thank God for it. And I just believe that God is calling the people of God to embrace his plan of prosperity by being able to see over in the future by faith. And even though we may not have things in our hand, we have it in our heart and we can put our hands together and take, thank God in advance. And as we thank him in advance, we thank him in front of it. And I just believe that as we thank God in front of it, blessings will follow and overtake you. Is there anybody here that wants to join me in thanking God for what he's planning to do in the future? Amen. I got to, I got to rush on and close here. Hallelujah. I want you to see something here else in the text. Look at verse 7. He says, seek the peace of the city which I have carried you. Pray, because if it prospers, you will prosper. This, this is a tall order, but it's helping us to understand something, that if we're going to prosper and embrace God's plan of prosperity, then we have to aim to grow spiritually. It's right here in the text. It's not about the city. It's really not about the city prospering. But it's about something God is trying to do in his people. Because God is asking them to do something 
that was probably counter to their natural response. That he says, these individuals have carried you over from your homeland and brought you over here. God is saying, now when you have your prayer meeting, pray for them. This cuts cross our basic instinct because our basic instinct is to push back. If you hit me, hit you back. But God is saying that if we are going to embrace his plan of prosperity, then we have to cut against the culture, remove the boundaries from our spiritual life, specifically our prayer life. And grow up spiritually because it requires a grown-up Christian to pray for your enemies. Hello, somebody. God is saying you, we, we, we have to focus on growing spiritually if we are to embrace his plan of prosperity. God is helping us to understand that he can use difficult people and circumstances for our spiritual benefit. And if we want to prosper according to God's way, then we have to increase our prayer life. Amen, somebody. We have to pray more. If we want to prosper God's way, then we must seek spiritual maturity because the Christian life is designed to mature us. The Christian life is not designed to spoil us. The Christian life is designed to shape and mold us to be like Jesus. And Jesus, the last time I checked, gave his hand to the nails. I said the Christian life is trying to help us to be strong. The last time I checked, Jesus gave his head to the crown. It take a grown-up to do that. The last time I checked, he gave his side to the spear. The last time I checked, he gave his feet to the spikes. The last time I read in the text that he gave his body to the cross, gave himself to the grave. But God helps us to understand that whatever you put in my hand, just leave it alone for a while and I'll raise it up. I'll bring it back with more power. God is asking us to grow up and do it God's way. Oh, come on, give him praise here, church. Give God the glory. I'm closing now. I'm a Baptist preacher, so I got five closes now. You know that. But I'm closing here now. And I'm closing here on verse 11, which is really the key verse. He says here, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Children of God, God has a plan and his plan is working. Maybe it's difficult to see it when your life is disturbed. But this text is helping us to understand that God always has some blessings coming up for the people of God. Whenever you know something is coming up, help me say coming up. He says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, thoughts and plans to give you a future and a hope. That means that God has some blessings upcoming 
for the people of God. It seems that this verse, chapter 11, verse 11, chapter 29, is causing us to envision God's upcoming blessing. You can always uh, thank God for something that he is going to do. I call it God's future grace. This text is helping us to see that God always has something coming up for the people of God. He says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, thoughts and plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And I thank God that the Lord is saying that in order to embrace his prosperity, then we must envision the fact that God has some blessings coming up for his people. You can ask any student, why are you studying so much this week? And they say, well, I'm studying because I have a test is coming up. I have to prepare for what's coming up. You can ask any athlete, why are you training so much? Well, because I have a big game, and that big game is coming up. Ask any bride, why are you spending time picking the perfect dress? Well, because I have a wedding, and the wedding is coming up. Ask any grateful believer, why are you praising God like you lost your mind? Why are you in the word of God all the time? Why are you serving the Lord with dedication? Why do you refuse to quit? Why do you look over and tell the Lord thank you? Well, because the Lord has told me that I have some blessings. Oh, y'all, come on. They're coming up. If you believe that God has some blessings coming up, then you prepare for those blessings. Well, how do you prepare for some blessings coming up? Well, number one, I just believe you got to thank God for it. Y'all help me give God praise. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.